Truth Espresso, episode 161. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, friends, family, and lurkers alike. This is your host, Daniel Minnick, and coming at you with another episode of Truth Espresso. But I welcome back my sweet, beautiful wife and co host, Chelsea. So, sweetheart, I was on a little bit of a hiatus there uh, for a few weeks to finish up and get back to the series on comparing Jesus to superheroes. And so, I talked about Dr. Octopus. And and so, you know, finished that up. So, now that's all done. I'm home free. And now... (laughs) <laughs> we're coming back together and so welcome back to truth espresso sweetheart thank you for co-hosting this episode with me oh thanks for having me babe <laughs> so you ready to talk about love this being valentine's day and all yeah <laughs> and so yeah with and as of this episode being aired on valentine's day monday love is in the air and and so you know you have family and friends giving out valentine's day cards and you know even maybe giving those little message hearts and you know they i don't know i always thought they tasted kind of weird but you know it's (laughs) it's the thought and the message on them that counts (laughs) and yeah so people do different things for people on valentine's day you have you know even friends in school you know buds giving buddy type valentine's cards and (laughs) you know like so we have this uh day dedicated to love but If you think and reflect deeply enough, you might actually start to ask the question, just what is love anyway? And so that's what we're going to address on this episode. Let's think about love. Let's try to define love. And then we're going to look at what does the Bible have to say about love and compare it with what the world might say about love. (laughs) So before we get into the definition of love... I have a question for you. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) You like these pop questions. (laughs) Pop quizzes, pop questions, you know. I don't know what your question is. We didn't prepare ahead of time, but shoot. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you like as far as gifts for Valentine's? Like, I think guys are the hardest to get Valentine's (laughs) Day gifts for because Mm. most of them seem like they're things more geared towards women. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Oh, Valentine's, like, okay, where you have, like, flowers and candy or chocolates or something that a, a lot teddy of... Bears and teddy bears. Teddy bears, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I remember in college with, you know, like, things like fine arts, it'd be like, oh, you know, guys get girls flowers and, you know, maybe some chocolate or maybe a little stuffed guy, something like that. Um and you know same thing for valentine's day but yeah like what do you get a guy for valentine's day you know like uh <laughs> um you know, 
a Valentine's Day decorated gift card to Bass Pro Shop or something. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that's what I want, but I'm I'm stereotyping a little bit there. <laughs> a bouquet of beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, we should start our own like Valentine's Day gifts for guys you know, joke uh, series there, but <laughs> Oh. But I do remember personally that Valentine's was the first fine arts that you asked me out to when we were just kind of getting to know each other at Pensacola. And you gave me some pretty roses and (laughs) a cute little stuffed bear that I actually still have because I thought it was so special. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and those those little sentimental things like that having sentiment is you know a part of love and (laughs) so kind of leading into (laughs) our definition of love because things like that bear you got me and we still have Mm -hmm. it's something that lasts it's something that's special so what are some of the definitions you found about what some of the dictionaries even defines love as yeah so this is the attempt by the world (laughs) these are secular definitions not coming from the bible this is how some dictionaries that i looked up online that might be they're also have the traditional print bound versions of these but there's the merriam webster dictionary and it has three primary meanings for it. So the first definition is a feeling of strong or constant affection for a person. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that, but is that really the deepest definition of love? Is it a feeling or affection for a person? <laughs> that could be part of it, but <laughs> let's see the second definition. The strong affection felt by people who have a romantic relationship. So, yeah, husband and wife, and you have those feelings for each other. And that's a good and healthy thing for husbands and wives to have affection for each other. That's part of love. Would you agree, babe? Yes. <laughs> yeah. A healthy marriage, you know, and husband and wife having love for each other, it includes affection. I, I would have a hard time thinking of a, a marriage between a husband and wife if there's no affection. So <laughs> strong affections, romantic relationship, part of love. <laughs> Definition number three. Affection based on admiration, benevolence, or common interests. (laughs) So they both shared a love of fishing or something like that. You know, like, so love can involve, you know, we have the same interests and stuff like that. So that's just defining how the word love is often used in sentences. And so that's what Merriam-Webster's trying to do when defining the word love and giving examples of, okay, here's a flavor of that word and here's an example of how it's used in a sentence. So I just read their three primary definitions there. And now dictionary.com. So this is obviously just an online dictionary, unlike Merriam-Webster that has the traditional print one, and then they allow you to access it electronically online. Dictionary.com, definition number one, it says a profoundly tender, passionate affection for another person. So we see some of these keywords, affection, which is important. 
but you know there's no love that doesn't sometimes or whatever you know often include affection <laughs> number 2 a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection as for a parent child or friend so, you know, I was trying to think, okay, you know, parents love their children or children love their parents, even though it's not, you know, some kind of like the same thing as you'd have with a husband and wife, you know, there's an overlap, but it's not the relationship is not the same, you know, between husband and wife or between parent and child, child, parent, but there is that aspect of feeling or, you know, it says warm personal attachment. Like a child is going to have different feelings for his parents compared to the parents of some other child. (laughs) So there's that close relationship there. And then definition number three is like a, an intimate passion or desire. This is describing romantic relationship between husband and wife. So that type of context. And so those are the three primary definitions of love. And they're similar to Merriam-Webster's definitions of love parent and child or romantic type love between husband and wife and so we notice some some of these keywords here sweetheart <laughs> you know what are they <laughs> feeling um affection passion <laughs> <laughs> desire yeah so the word feeling shows up a lot in the definitions. The word affection shows up a lot in the definitions. And then when it comes to the context of romantic relationships, you have passion and desire. <laughs> and I was trying to find some dictionary online searching for and looking for a definition of love in the way we might think of it in a Christian biblical context, and I had a hard time finding anything that was even like to just say, historically speaking, or here's an old usage of the word love, you know, yeah, you know, way people had this quaint understanding of love as some <laughs> some eternal bond or something like that, but now we're enlightened and we know better. So, you know, the uh, I, di- I couldn't find any dictionary that had a primary or in any definition of love that that we'll actually get into <laughs> as we address what the Bible has to say about love. And, you know, I think that's kind of tragic, but I'm not dismissing these definitions. They are important, but what I would say about them is they don't encompass the whole of what love means. <laughs> so I think it's interesting, too, that love seems like it's one of the most common words used in Mm. so many different (laughs) things like you think of okay there's so many poems and sonnets Mm. and songs and movies and books (laughs) there's so many things that are written and portray a picture of what they think love is and there's so much to love that it makes you think okay these definitions you just read are superficial when there's like so much complexity and almost mystery to love and I think that's kind of where the Bible's definition makes it seem a little more to me it's a little more exciting because (laughs) it's like okay it isn't this like superficial coming and going type of like a feeling type of definition the bible gives us that really deep (laughs) 
understanding of what love is. And yeah, yeah. I definitely like the Bible's <laughs> definition better. So, yeah. So what do these things, these key words have in common? Feeling, affection, passion, desire. As you mentioned, you know, they're fleeting, they're temporary, you know, like you don't experience all of these 24-7. <laughs> and, you know, it's possible to have a strong feeling or affection for someone like you think of infatuation. <laughs> you could have like intense, you know, feelings for someone at some point, you know, like where it's almost like you want to pull your hair out. You don't know how to handle it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Young people could have, you know, like, you know, college age or something, you know, young, even teenagers, you know, you can experience this like confusing feeling of like, you know, whoa, I have such a strong attraction. I don't know how to handle it, you know, and if I try to say anything, I just slip my words, just make no sense. And, you know, like, it's just like, you know, torturously, you know, sometimes people can experience, you know, but feelings like that, you can have it for someone and then it goes away and it's, or, you you know, it might not even result in a relationship with that person, you know, things like that can happen. But so what I'm saying is that these feelings, you know, can be fleeting, they can be temporary, they might be conditional on certain experiences that trigger them and they can be suppressed by negative experiences and so on. So yeah, the dictionary's definition of love doesn't seem to make it um, this eternal type of thing. You know, it's conditional, it can be temporary, it can be suppressed and dismissed and dissolved. (laughs) makes love sound cheap yeah oh yes (laughs) and like to me that's kind of frustrating because love is one of the most unselfish (laughs) things that i mean we'll see as we get into the bible definitions too that you see throughout scripture that love is not self-seeking and all these other definitions make it just sound cheap like okay you can have it here or there or show (laughs) love anywhere and then it makes it not as real or <laughs> not a priceless precious thing that you share yeah and <laughs> yeah yeah good thoughts there yeah so let's look sweetheart at what the bible has to say about love because it seems like love in the bible as it's expressed and defined is much deeper than our dictionaries in 2022 give us And also, let's think of certain categories of how love is expressed in the Bible and compare it to the dictionaries there. Like, if love is a feeling, when you see love expressed and defined in the Bible, how is that compatible all the time with a feeling? So first of all, I want to look at in the Gospels where Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment of the law? (laughs) And Jesus actually gives two commandments. So in Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40, we see this. It says, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him or testing him and saying, master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. 
This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So it's kind of interesting, like if we take the dictionary's definition of love, that's a feeling and affection, and we see this question that's asked of Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Now, Jesus gives this really good answer because, you know, he's probably asking for like, okay, is it this particular sacrifice of an animal? You know, maybe it's, you know, the sin offering. Maybe it's the free will offering. Hey, you know, if if I give a free will offering and take an animal and slaughter it and burn it on an altar and I'm not doing it to pay for a particular sin, then maybe that's the greatest commandment in the law. I think it was that there are like 613 commandments in the law, you know, and this lawyer who's familiar with all of these, or at least most of these commandments there is asking, well, which one of these is the greatest? And Jesus says, there are two great commands and both of them are about love. So first of all, the first and greatest command is to love God with everything you have, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself, which, yeah, that would be the greatest command is to love. But then think, wait, if love is a feeling, if it's an affection, how can I be commanded to have a feeling, <laughs> <You know? laughs> which then you have to say, Well, it doesn't sound like what Jesus is talking about is to summon at your will a feeling. (laughs) So there's got to be something deeper to this. Loving God is not like squeezing out a feeling, you know, and loving your neighbor as yourself isn't just some sentimentality, you know, it isn't some bubbling inside your soul, you know, it's there, it's deeper than that. What do you think, sweetheart? Yes, I think this is a great passage to start with looking at how the Bible defines love and I know we have been going through this with our kids recently, too, about when you show love to other people, you do that because, first of all, you love God, and so then you want to love other people. And love is kind of, I don't know, I think of it as like a foundation for how you interact with other people. So you're kind to other people, you pray for other people, you show respect to other people because you love them. And so I think that this verse really kind of gives you that foundation of what love should look like and how it kind of starts. Hmm. Yeah. It's like one of the layers of love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, when we're talking about love being deeper in the Bible, we're not in any way dismissing the idea of feelings and affections. We're not saying, okay, this is the antithesis of that. Like, okay, cast all feelings and affections from you so that you can love you know <laughs> like it would be a horrible marriage if um you know the husband and wife were kind of like robots just <laughs> executing programs of benefiting each other without any kind of humanity and feeling into it, you know. But just what we're saying is that love is not based on feelings. It's not defined by feelings. Feelings are a 
part, but there, this is not where love flows from. Love doesn't come from feelings. Feelings can come from love. <laughs> and so, yeah, if you have the greatest commandment in the Bible to love God with all your heart, it doesn't mean you know, like that somehow you can make yourself just woo, flowing with feelings like 24-7, like, I just love God so much that I can't, oh, I'm just going to explode with feelings, you know. <laughs> it's a devotion, you know, when Jesus taught you about the commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, this is part of the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5 there, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and basically following from that, this is who your God is, now therefore, you will love God with all your heart. And, you know, it's a devotion. God deserves your love. Your love is due to your creator and your redeemer. And so you live your life in devotion to God. You do things for the glory of God. You praise God. Sometimes you feel it, you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes you know sometimes you feel like a nut sometimes you don't know but so you know but whether you have feelings and <laughs> bubbling inside you or not you're consciously living in devotion to your god because you know god deserves your commit your love there and the same thing with loving your neighbors yourself Say you do a good deed for your neighbor, you mow your neighbor's lawn, you do, you know, you make a meal for your neighbor. It's not because necessarily because, you know, all of a sudden you got struck with this bubbly feeling for your neighbor and therefore you're going to give them food. You're thinking thoughtfully for your neighbor could be like just, oh, my neighbor has a need, I should do this, and, you know, and you can make a meal and, you know, doing things in love for people can produce those feelings of affection, but you don't love your neighbor because of that feeling of affection. <laughs> affection can flow from doing an act of conscious love for someone, but it doesn't, you know, it's kind of like putting the cart before the horse, I would think. <laughs> so yeah, commanded to love, if it's a feeling, that would be kind of a, a hard thing there to summon up feelings at will. <laughs> so I think that kind of bridging that one into the next one too mm is that love is a choice. Oh, yeah. And I think that, to me, that's really powerful in looking at, all right, God gave us that ability to choose to love him. Mm. He isn't saying, you <laughs> must, I'm going to force oh, you yeah. to love me. He's like, okay, for your own good, you should choose to love me. <laughs> yeah. And and then also the choice that he loved us so much that he sent his son for us and so just like seeing that there's choice mm. on both sides of it yeah. and and we of course god being perfect and loving and i don't know <laughs> there's mm. too many words to describe him <laughs> yeah. but just like okay he's demonstrating his unfailing love for us like it's mm not based on a feeling because if it was based on a feeling for God, he could have <laughs> been like, um, never mind. I'm mad at you guys. Or, I'm not going to sacrifice my son for you. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, feelings are just so fleeting oh, yeah. 
And I think that, yeah, just looking more at the depth of what love is when it's a choice and you're making that choice to love, that is just bringing out a deeper part of mm. what love is. Yeah, de- yeah, definitely, sweetheart, because you mentioned love is a choice. You know, when Jesus says the command is to love God and the second command to love your neighbor, this isn't like whipping someone into submission and saying, you know, you will love, you know, oh, please, no, you know, this isn't what it is. It's a choice, you know. It's not torture. It's not, you know, by command, you know, you're commanded to do something, but you're commanded to choose and it's not torture. It's like, I recognize that I should do this and then I'm going to choose to do it. And then in doing so, you'll find that the feelings just might follow. (laughs) But it's first a recognition of what is the right thing to do. And for Christians, when we recognize, you know, just how great God is, that he's our creator, that he's our redeemer, then we realize I should love him. I want to love him. I'm going to love him. I might not always feel like bubbly, you know, to do it, but I recognize inside I want to do this (laughs) because of how great he is and what he's done for me. Looking for strategies that will help you engage in meaningful conversations with members of the Mormon Church? Well, if so, take a look at Sharing the Good News with Mormons, a new book produced by Harvest House Publishers and edited by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. Sharing the Good News with Mormons includes 24 helpful essays from two dozen Christian apologists, scholars, and pastors. Pick up your copy at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore or order directly from mrm.org. Now, the second point from the Bible about what love is, is that love involves sacrifice. Now, this one I'm going to say here, like, this definitely doesn't just by definition come from a feeling because a lot of people, you know, to make a sacrifice, it feels like it's going to hurt, you know, but because you know that this is the right thing to do, and this is really demonstrates just how wonderful love, according to the Bible, is, is that it doesn't, you know, depend on feelings that often are associated with one's own self, because if love is towards someone else, sacrifice is for other people, not for yourself. And so, look at uh, some scripture here. We see 1 John 4, verses 10 through 11. It actually is defining or presenting love. And the Apostle John, in this epistle, uses the word love quite a bit. You know, talks about the love of God a lot. It's like all throughout this short epistle here. But he says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And now this is kind of like demonstrating kind of like um, from the source, from God, the two greatest commands where we're commanded, love God with all our heart, love our neighbors ourself. But then here it's saying, it's not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. And, you know, he sent his son 
to be our sacrifice. So now we start that love comes first from God because God is love. So God loved us first. And then recognizing that it's like, we ought to love each other with the same love. (laughs) And so you have Ephesians 5, 2 as one of the verses on here. And I was looking at another verse later in Ephesians 5. So maybe I'll read verse 2 real quick. (laughs) Um, So Ephesians 5, 2 says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. And then I was looking down in verse 25 where he's giving the instructions to husbands and wives. And he says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And I think that it's just cool that both of these verses in Ephesians 5 are talking about are sacrificing for someone else because you love them. And we see through Christ's example, he sacrificed himself for us because he loved us. And Mm, husbands do the same thing. They sacrifice themselves for their family and for their wives because they love them. And Mm. I think that that picture of Christ and the church and then husbands and their wives is such Mm. a beautiful picture like that. And just Mm -hmm. really demonstrating how deep love is. It's not this superficial feeling that can come and go it's this i'm giving my all for you Mm, because i love you that much (laughs) yeah definitely so we are as ephesians 5 says there about how marriage is the great mystery you know that pictures christ and the church that it was this self-sacrificing undying love and that's the example of the relationship between husband and wife and you know as we see in a lot of movies there's a lot of like just a Attraction and feeling and stuff, which is, of course, an important part of the healthy marriage, but that's not the foundation of it. That's not the source and the full depth of love. And so, with that being the example where marriage itself is, by God's design, a picture of Christ and the church and how Christ sacrificed for his bride there. Yeah, so love, according to the Bible, involves sacrifice and i would dare to say that when jesus was headed to the cross i don't think he did that because he had this (laughs) bubbly euphoric feeling inside for everyone he's going to you know be the atonement for but as he did that it was the greatest expression of love that we could ever see that ever you know by you know the fabric of creation and reality there there there's just no greater expression of love and who knows what feelings according to the dictionary here that jesus had at the time we don't know but we do know there's no greater love than what he did here well i think you kind of get a little bit Mm. of a picture of that in the garden of gethsemane when he's praying to god (laughs) to yeah you know possibly take this cup from him Mm. yeah and he's like okay (laughs) but nonetheless (laughs) not my will but thine be done and just that struggle of okay i'd rather not do this (laughs) But if this is what you really want, then he's willing to make that sacrifice. 
he had sorrow and fear expressed there, you know, mm-hmm. um, and not just a bubbly euphoria. <laughs> yeah. Cause love, yeah. Love can even involve those type of feelings too, you know, as part of sacrifice, not just the kind of self-serving often feelings of increasing one's own euphoria <laughs> but yeah don't you think that's where that i don't know if you can think of a better word right <laughs> also i'm thinking of was like a binding like oh, the yeah. binding of love gets stronger mm. when you go through oh yeah all those different aspects of love when you go through those fearful times if you don't have a job or someone's sick or hurt or there's a death and there's those times where you grow together and that bond becomes stronger, that love becomes deeper. Mm, and yeah. I mean, you don't really think, I don't know, when you're younger, when you're first married, you don't think of the, the harder times being the times where your love grows stronger. But it just seems like those are the times where God's really working with you. And that's all you can do is like, all right, we're going to love God and love each other. <laughs> that's all we can do right now. And it just makes you stronger and grow closer to each other and closer to just your trust and your just dependence on God. And I think that's what's so amazing about love is that there's so many dynamics to it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Jesus never said like, you know, I just don't think we're compatible anymore. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) yeah. You know, how the how the world and their uh, definition of love with romance and marriage and ending marriage and stuff like that being like, we're just drifting apart. And we just found that we're no longer compatible. You know, it's like Jesus's sacrifice and his death on the cross and his bride, you know, it wasn't based on compatibility (laughs) because no one's compatible with jesus you know he bought them you know he took what is not compatible you know and made us compatible through his love (laughs) yeah john 15 13 jesus said basically illustrating by his own sacrifice he says greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends So, yeah, that is the definition of an unselfish, undying, dying love. (laughs) A love by, you know, just, I am willing to give up everything of myself for someone else. So it's, there's a complete altruism there. (laughs) And that's what biblical love is there. So another point I'd like to observe with some scriptures is that love, according to the Bible, is all about others. It's not how do I improve myself? How do I make myself experience better things? How do I make myself feel more comfortable or when you're in the context of romantic love and stuff where the world will focus so much on like, well, I just love this person so much. And a lot of it is kind of like, well, I love myself so much. I love how this person makes me feel, you know? So it's geared more toward what do I get out of this person that makes me feel good? Well, that's not the depth of love. According to the Bible, love is totally others focused. And we have the great love passage in the Bible. 
in 1 Corinthians 13, where the Apostle Paul is characterizing love here, and he says that it's long-suffering in verse 4. <laughs> it doesn't envy, you know. <laughs> in verse 5, he says that it's not self-seeking. It seeketh not her own. Verse 6, it rejoices in the truth. You know, so love actually is concerned about what's true. And in verse 7, he says that it bears all things and that it endures all things. When you talk about, well, we're just drifting apart or not compatible anymore or, you know, somehow or I need to find myself or something, you know, that type of fleeting worldly definition of love that doesn't seem to fit with 1 Corinthians 13, how it's completely others focused and endures all things. <laughs> that's not a feeling or that's not based on a feeling. <laughs> One is not simply patient because of a feeling, to use a, one of the key words from the dictionary. One is simply not selfless because of an affection. One is simply not focused on truth because of a passion of intimacy. One does not simply bear burdens because of a fleeting desire. You know, so use all those dictionary keywords there, and they don't really seem to fit with how 1 Corinthians 13 characterizes what love really is. So I have to read it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think that Shakespeare kind of oh, yeah. had a good deep understanding of love and that it is not like a selfish thing. It isn't oh, yeah. something that changes and especially in his sonnet one sixteen. <laughs> Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds or bends with the remover to remove. Oh no. It is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempest and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark, whose worth's unknown, although his height be taken. Love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error and upon me proved... I never writ, nor no man ever loved. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I just love how it <laughs> kind of goes with the First Corinthians 13. Yeah, I would say Shakespeare seemed to have a biblical understanding of love, even though the great playwright there who wrote tragedies and comedies and in those portrayed characters who had more shallower understandings or experiences of love but Shakespeare you know understood himself the biblical depth of love there <laughs> yeah I think the sonnet 116 is just really you know one of his best sonnets there in describing what love is it's an ever fixed mark fixed <laughs> You know, if it's a feeling or affection or that's fleeting, you know, he says it's it doesn't alter when it alteration finds, you know, it doesn't bend with the remover to remove. It's like, wait, love is some unchanging, eternal thing that's willing to go fight tempests and go to the edge of doom. You know, that that's love, not just what do I feel right now? <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts of that. <laughs> yeah. That kind of goes into the next section, too, is how he said that it's not, well, I'm just going to paraphrase it. 
that's not constrained by time. Oh, yeah. Like, love is eternal. And I think that that's something that's just so like priceless mm-hmm. about love is that it's something that goes with you. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, when we're in heaven, we're still going to have that love for each other. We're still going to have love for others. We're still going to have love for God mm-hmm. and worshiping him. And yeah. I think that's probably why Jesus said those are the greatest commandments, because mm-hmm. love is something that is eternal. It's not bound by time or like, OK, at this time, I feel like oh, I might love you and this time, nope, I don't feel like I'm loving you. And, but it's just something yeah. that has no uh, restraints with time. So I yeah. thought that was kind of a cool part of that, too. <laughs> Definitely, sweetheart. And you think, say, like, as a busy parent and, you know, a mom, like, you, you know, if you have, like, a, a night where, you know, you didn't get a whole lot of sleep, but you got to get up and get the kids breakfast or change a diaper or something like that. I know you have lots of feelings of love, but I would like to say you probably don't always feel bubbling inside (laughs) all the time there. And, you know, but the reason that you're going to do things for our children, even when you might feel groggy or something like that is because of love. And it's a, you know, it's a commitment. It's for the good. It's others focused. You love our children. And so, you know, even if it's like, I'd rather sleep, (laughs) you know, get more sleep, you know, that parenting and what you need to do for children is something that you're going to do because you love them. And it's not based on, you know, a fleeting feeling, you know, every single day you put in that effort. (laughs) And thank you, sweetheart, for doing that. And that is an expression of biblical love, not fleeting feelings. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I have lots of love. (laughs) Well, you and our children are just so precious. It's hard not to. And when we do things for other people, feelings will flow from that. You know, you feel good inside when you do things for others. And so, yeah, from what we could see from the Bible here in this case is that love is a conviction from which such feelings will rightfully flow or rightly flow. And so, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, as I said, putting the cart before the horse. If we think of love as a feeling or affection, first of all, <laughs> and I don't want to say that, oh, well, you have to remove that to define love. Like love is not the absence by death definition of feelings and affections, but putting the cart before the horse would be to make the feelings and affections the source of love. But, you know, as we do things in love, as it's a commitment, we will find that we will have feelings, feelings and affections flow out of doing things in love. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to get to now. The final uh, observation from the Word of God about love is that it's unconditional. <laughs> and Romans 5.8 demonstrates this. The Apostle Paul says, But God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ didn't see us as someone who deserved his love. Someone, you know, I know I've heard some people say God saw something special in us and that's why Jesus died for us. Well, 
there's some truth to that, but the special that God sees in us is not something we autonomously bring to the table. It's something that God granted us, God created us. We are made in his image. It's something he gave us. And so while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So yeah, we continue with Luke 6, 27. It's, uh, Jesus says, but I say to you, which here love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. So I know there's another verse in Romans where it's like, though we are enemies of God, he reconciled us by the death of his son. So wait a minute, Christ died for his enemies, you know. So while we were sinners, while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. Now that is, you know, an unconditional love. We didn't bring something to the table and then God went, aw, no, that's worth dying for. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to redeem those who are not seeking me, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 3, you know, none seeketh after God, but yet Christ died for us when we were not seeking him, when we were hating him, we were sinners, we were breaking his law. Now that is unconditional love you know it didn't require a condition on our part to make us worthy of god's love we are made worthy by god's love so i was just thinking like one thing maybe we should clarify with unconditional love is that <laughs> unconditional love doesn't mean tolerating oh yeah sinful behavior either because yeah. that's actually not loving someone if you're letting them oh, yeah. harm themselves or harm you or harm your children so when there is sin involved that yeah. actually loving that person can be drawing boundaries saying no going and seeking counsel like there's mm. different things that you can do that actually show more love to them hmm. even though people may not see that as love but you're actually trying you're trying to help them and so i think that sometimes people can kind of put unconditional love like all right your husband's beating you up but you still have to love him because you need to show unconditional love yeah okay but that's not showing love because yeah. he's harming you and potentially himself as well. So loving him would be getting him help. And um, mm, so, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to <laughs> yeah, throw that little sure. clarification <laughs> out there. Yeah, thank you for that, sweetheart, because love is not tolerating what is bad. You know, it's not just saying, well, if you feel like it's good, then it's good for you. You know, love recognizes what is absolutely good for someone. And if someone doesn't agree with that or if someone wants to destroy themselves with sin, love fights for the good of someone, the ultimate good of someone. And so, yeah, love isn't tolerating abuse. Love is not tolerating someone breaking God's law. Love is for the good of someone, and the good of someone is never what's bad for God, you know, according to God's law or bad for someone else, you know. So love is can even involve disciplining your children because it's focused on, I don't want you to do the wrong thing. I don't want you to harm yourself. I want you to learn how to do the right thing so that you don't harm yourself in the future. Love is not letting your children touch a hot stove, even if they want, really, really want to. <laughs> and there's a depth 
we think of this illustration like love isn't always just respecting the will of someone else because think of if you're a parent and you have a young child who wants to wander onto the street love doesn't necessarily have to mean trying to woo you know your child so i i just respect your will so much i love you so much that i want you to do whatever you want and it's just your choice as to whether and then oh man they they got hit no come on like but uh, but it was love that said please come no love can even involve going there grabbing your child by the hand and pulling him out of danger you know or even being willing to sacrifice you know danger for yourself for the sake of your child you know love is for the good of others not just their own desires or even respecting their will and what they want to do. Love is for the good of someone, and good is absolute, you know, not relative. (laughs) As Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up strifes, but love covereth all sins. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the verse I was thinking of, like, okay, love covereth all sins. Like, okay, that doesn't mean you tolerate uh, yeah, all sins. Sure. And by cover, it means it engulfs. It, does, it doesn't mean it hides. You know, yeah. that's, you know, that's not what it means. It means it takes care of <laughs> Well, I think that just going to the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is such a good resource because, okay, if someone is provoked or thinking evil or puffed up, those are things that it says right here in scripture that's not love mm-hmm. and so i think that going back to the bible and seeing like okay what does god say about this okay that's a sin or that's not showing love i think it's a good guideline to mm-hmm. know what the difference is and kind of guide you in your marriage and relationship mm-hmm. definitely sweetheart one last point. <laughs> oh yeah sure <laughs> that love is a commitment oh yes yeah Thank you, sweetheart. I think I might have said that, but yeah, it's good to remember. It's good to know. Love is a commitment. And just like we actually went to a wedding today, and as of this recording, not Monday, Valentine's Day, but as we're recording this, we went to a wedding earlier today and think of wedding vows. You know, (laughs) I was joking with you earlier, sweetheart, about like, why, if two people are in love, why do they have to make vows? Well, because love is not a fleeting feeling. You, You actually have to commit despite any feeling you might have. That's why you make a vow when you enter the covenant of marriage and things like to have and to hold in sickness or in health, you know, listing things like rich or poor, whether you're in the mountains or in the valleys, whether you have feelings or not, you know, at any given moment, you know, you're vowing for the good of your spouse. And that is what love is. (laughs) It's being willing to make a vow like that and keep it. (laughs) Therefore, it's unconditional. And like to close this episode by really thinking about Without the biblical definition of love, we just looked at dictionary definitions of feelings and affections and desires. 
with the way the world thinks about things. It doesn't start from the Bible. If you're an atheist, a materialist, and you think everything just accidentally came into being and, you know, we're just stardust and what have you, we're accidents of nature. Really, the existence of what we're talking about here, a true, enduring, committed, unconditional love that isn't based on feelings. Like, how does that make sense? It seems to be like something like that would be a complete enigma, a mystery, a puzzle to someone who comes from an atheistic, materialistic epistemology, like their understanding of how we got knowledge, how we got our perceptions of things, how our minds evolved, you know, just where did everything come from and why did this concept of love come into the picture and when we Christians tell the world about what love really is that it's this unconditional sacrificing undying commitment that's not based on feelings how does that even make sense to an atheist like they recognize how can you do this this is this is so far beyond rationalism (laughs) and it just seems like strange like they know intuitively this is a good thing they know intuitively that really they do want that as much as they might want to deny it but the only explanation for the existence of true love is you know god and his word are true that jesus christ did die on the cross as a payment for our sins and it's the greatest expression of love and that the only reason that this type of definition true definition of love can even exist is because of the truth of god and his word and who jesus is and what he did for us so (laughs) can you name one thing that you love about me and i'll name one thing i love about you (laughs) I can go first if you want. Oh, sure. So you have time to think. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I love that you like to just study. (laughs) You have so much knowledge about so many different topics. And I love that because then uh, I feel like I can come to you with all my questions. (laughs) And it's just so awesome. And I love that. Oh, that's a couple things. There's so much, thing, so many things <laughs> oh. I love about you. <laughs> but I do love how much you love me and love our children. And yeah. you definitely demonstrate that often. And I just appreciate that about you and love you. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. And well, I think what I love about you is that you are just so committed to the good of me and our children and other people. Like you're always seeking the good of people. You're always seeking to help people out, to brighten their day, to show your thoughtfulness. And in so many ways that it's like, I know I might just not, it might not occur to me that I should do something for someone, you know, but you're always thinking of other people. You're always doing nice things for other people, showing your love and your commitment for other people. And that's what I really love about you, sweetheart. Thank you. So happy Valentine's Day to our listeners. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. And I hope that this episode, I hope that it helped you in understanding what love is and hope that the 
definition and our study of the Bible here really gets to the heart of what love really is. And as, you know, exchanging valentines or giving flowers or chocolates and stuff like that, that's all well and good and it can demonstrate love. But if love is just a feeling, if it's a fleeting thing, then love is not love, (laughs) according to the Bible and Shakespeare. (laughs) And so, yeah, hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth Espresso on this Valentine's Day, and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.